You may be seated. Good morning and welcome to worship at Kern Church. My name is Will and I'm the pastor here and I'm so thrilled to be with you in worship. Thank you for those of you that are joining us online today. I pray that, that this service is a blessing to you. I pray that you are able to connect with God and connect with other people as we join in worship today. Right now I want to offer a prayer for us this day. God, thank you so much for joining us in worship today. I pray that your spirit is blessed as we as we come together on this cold morning in January to, to worship you. I pray that each one who is here in person and online are able to connect with your Holy Spirit so that they can be filled in ways that, that are helpful and encouraging in their lives. I pray for each one who will connect with our church over the next few weeks, that you will bless them and their finances in ways that are measurable, in ways that, that lead to, to following after you. Give this all to you, Almighty God. May your spirit be lifted high. Amen. When, uh, when Hope and I were engaged, one of the, the best gifts I remember giving, and maybe, maybe uh, you know, when you're engaged, sometimes what people do, well, you have wedding showers and stuff, you get toasters and and coffee pots, and things like that, and, and it's amazing, I've been married now for, uh, I shouldn't have said that, uh, for a while now, uh, more than 10 years, I think maybe 13 years, anyways, the stuff that we got when we were, we were married is breaking by this point, and so some of those things are needing to be replaced by, by where we are, the plates that we got are, are chipping, and they have a limited lifespan, uh, but but one of the things and most enduring gifts I remember being given as, as someone who was engaged in the early 20s was that our pastor at the time paid for and sponsored us to participate in a financial planning course. At the time, I thought this was like a dud of a gift. I thought this was something that was just kind of boring and whatever, something extra we needed to put in our schedule. But he, he was helping lead the course in a neighboring community, so we would, we would go after church and with a few others from our church, and we would go to these classes. I think we would travel from, from Chattanooga to, to Etowal or so to, to be able to participate in these classes with some other people from, from the church. And I don't really remember how long these classes went on, and I, and I don't really remember everything about the classes, all the details but now one thing I can look back on and say the toaster that we got when we were married is broken. The, the, some of the, the crystal that we got when we were married was, is broken. And other things we have lost along the way in our moves. But some of the things that we got from this class that was a gift to us have been invaluable. The course that we participated in is known as finan or Crown Financial, and uh, it, it taught us some ways to, to really manage our finances, to manage, taught us how to manage our finances in our life instead of having our finances manage us. And we didn't have much money at the time, so these classes opened up some conversations about how to, how to live and, and how to grow in ways that we might just not have had these conversations otherwise. I know that, that some of the ease in our life that's related to finances have to do with having this, this background of not getting too far overextended at times when we could have. I have to say that I, I, I know that I have not and do not always live up to the ideals that were found in this financial class. 
I mean, our spending isn't always where it should be. Our, our, our giving isn't always where it, it should be, or at least even where I want it to be. And our, our perspective, or at least my perspective on money, is not always as healthy as it should be. But the time in this class established a foundation for us that we have been able to build on from which we've been able to build our family and hopefully teach our kids. And, and, and standing here today, I just want you to know that I am grateful. I am grateful for this class. And I'm grateful for, for somebody, a leader in our life, to say, you know, this is so important. I want to gift you this going into your new life together. The truth is, money and finances are just a, a part of just about, if not everything, in your life. As, as much as I would like it to be otherwise, money and the role of money plays an important role in your life, no matter who you are, where you live. You don't have to look further than the bills that come in the mail, and every time you pull your car to the gas station, or every time you go through your grocery store buying buying food for a family of six now, um, one of whom is breastfed, so I don't have to worry about him quite yet, but I'm reminded of the role that money plays each and every time I do this, and I know that you are as well. I mean, for people of faith, this is even more true because so much of what is contained in the Bible has to do with money and the role of money in life. When Hope and I went through that Crown Financial class many years ago in our early 20s, I remember being surprised that the material told us that, that Jesus taught about money more than anything else. And, and, and as a pastor, I don't think this is really actually true, just to, like, you don't need to know that. But I think this is kind of a trick that, that pastors and biblical teachers will often say that Jesus taught about money more than anything else. But Jesus taught about the kingdom of God more than anything else. This is like my you know, soapbox thing that I probably should just get off. But even though Jesus probably didn't teach about money more than anything else, Jesus talks about money more than just about anything else. For example, about 25% of, of Jesus' teaching, so about a quarter of Jesus' teaching relates to money or in, in some way talks about money and finances. So it may not be talking about or teaching about money, but money is being used to tell another story, to teach another point. I mean, Jesus talked about money. Why? Because it's important in life. I mean, it's important in what we do, in who you are, and in, in who you are called to be. While Jesus talked about money quite a bit during life, I think it's also safe to say that, that, that money is a topic of just about every single day in the world. And not only is money a, a topic of conversation during a day, but, but more often than not, I would suggest that, that money is a thing that is actually doing the talking. Money is a thing that is actually doing the talking to you, to your kids, to your grandkids, to your parents, to your grandparents. This is why we're beginning a message series called Money Talks. A biblical take on earning, saving, spending, and giving. Several months ago now, I, I, uh, I went with a group, of, a group of leaders from Kern Church, went with me to a stewardship conference in Knoxville, and the main speakers of, of this conference was a couple of uh, their names of the Picardos, Callie and Roz Picardo, and, and they shared with us this topic of money talks. They, they taught us about money talks and the work that they have done in this and, and leading churches and helping, helping people live fruitful lives 
And, and, and I, I've been in conversation with them since this time and, and shared with them some of the things that have been going on in our church and my personal life, and they've offered prayer and, and help through this. Be, the reason I did this is because I thought it was so good that I knew that I wanted to share it with you, and so that's what brings us to today. And what better time to talk about, to talk about money then at the first Sunday of the, or, well, not the first Sunday of the year, but kind of at the first of the year, the, the first part of the year. I mean, this is a time when many are, are still considering their, their, uh, their resolutions, or perhaps you had a resolution that you've already kind of abandoned, so maybe it's time to, to begin thinking about another resolution that can have a lasting impact on your life. So if you've already abandoned your first New Year's resolution, I want to give you, give you hope that you don't have to wait till 2024 to pick it up again or to pick up another one. Just kind of start again. Just start, uh, start again. And my hope is that over the next four or five weeks or so, is that you will grow in your faith and you will grow in your closeness of God, closeness to God. Because that's what money's about. Money's not about giving money. Money's not about uh, spending money. Money's not about growing. Money is about how you get close to God. Money is about your faith. Money is about your closeness to God. As the speakers of the conference said, God doesn't need your money. He wants your heart. God doesn't need your money. He wants your heart. And, and Jesus said it this way, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if your treasure is in the things of the world and in money, that's where your heart is. But if your treasure is with God, that's where your heart is. And God wants, God wants your heart. So today I want to share with you what God has to say about earning money. You see, in the world, money says, chase me. Chase me. Money says, chase me. But God's money says something different. It says, it says earn me. To help us gain God's perspective on, on money and earning money, I want to share with you something that a great Christian teacher once wrote to one of his students. This Christian teacher is a guy by the, by the name of Paul. Perhaps you've heard of him before. He wrote much of the New Testament. And, and he's writing a letter to one of his students. So, so he's, he's trying to teach his student. He's trying to help his student in his own leadership, in his own ministry life. And so this comes from 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 through 10. And I'm going to be reading from the message translation of the Bible. So 1 Timothy chapter 6, if you want to, if you want to make note of that. Here's what Paul writes to his, his, um, his student. A devout, life, a devout life does bring wealth. Now, I wish we could just stop there. A devout life brings wealth. I really wish we could stop there, and, and perhaps if I was a different kind of preacher, I would stop you there and, and start telling you how you need to give me money so we can show how devout I am, and we can have, you know, Rolls Royces and private jets and things. But um, I, I can't do that because there's just a comma, okay? That wasn't a period statement. It says a devout life does bring wealth, but it is the rich simplicity of being yourself before God. Since we enter the world penniless and will leave it penniless, if we have bread on the table, shoes on our feet, that's enough. But if it's only money these leaders are after, they'll self-destruct in no time. Lust or love for money brings trouble and nothing but trouble. 
going down that path, some lose their footing in the faith completely and live to regret it bitterly ever after. Now, my worldly brain, the brain that, 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 I, that I have in, in, my, in, my, in my brain that, that, that teaches me things that perhaps I shouldn't be taught or tells me things that perhaps are not so helpful for me to hear, trained, training me up in, in the, on the lies that money tries to tell us, loves this opening part of what Paul writes to his, to his student Timothy. A devout life brings, brings wealth. You know, a part of me would just be happy reading this and saying, thus says the Lord, and let's go, let's go be blessed in the ways that lead to wealth. I mean, that's the money that, that that's, that's the message that money tries to tell you. Chase me. Chase me. You need this. You need this next financial accomplishment to be happy. You need this next thing to be happy. You need this extra zero on your bank account. You need this. Chase me. But if you keep reading, it shows us how God, or Paul shows us how God really redefines wealth. How God redefines wealth in a way that, that leads not to this ever-ending cycle of, of chasing and chasing and chasing, but leads to something else leads to something that is full of hopefulness and full of power. For Paul says, God's money says, wealth is, wealth is the rich simplicity of being yourself before God. If you have bread on the table and shoes on your feet, it's enough. Then Paul goes even further and tells his student that, 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 that there are those who follow the advice of money alone and those that follow the advice of money alone, the lies that money tries to tell you, they will self-destruct. I mean, you know people who live this way. And he goes on to share about the love of money and how if you follow after what money says and what money tries to tell you to chase money, there will come a point where you will abandon the faith. You will abandon the faith and be overcome with grief. Has money or finances ever been the cause of grief in your life? Has money or finances ever been the cause of grief in your life? I know it has in mine. In these words, Paul tells you the, 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 the dangers of listening to what money has to say. And he tells you what happens if you follow after the tantalizing lies of money that are always beckoning you, chase me, chase me, chase me. And since we are talking about money, some of the, the best Christian wisdom that has ever been written about money comes from the founder of the Methodist movement, a guy by the name of John Wesley. And, and Wesley once wrote a sermon called The Use of Money, which was based off of Luke chapter 16. So if you want to Citation there, you can go to Luke chapter 16 and read more. But in, in this sermon, Wesley coined a phrase that, that preachers and teachers have, have really clinged to and I think really gives some great advice on how to practically live faithfully live, faithful lives with money. I think this is a phrase that even though uh, in some circles perhaps it has become cliche, I think it really is a, a phrase that can help you hear what God's money has to say, help you hear what, what the alternative to what money has to say is. And, and the phrase is, is simple. It says, earn all you can, save all you can, give all you can. Earn all you can, save all you can, give all you can. I mean, if you need a, a financial motto for life, this one's pretty good. 
This one's not too bad. It differs a bit from what the world's money tries to say. Instead of saying chase money, this motto says earn money. And that's what we're focusing on today. Earn money. You see, instead of chasing money, God invites you to a a better way. A better way. God invites you to earn money through purposeful work. Through work that is purposeful. Through serving God rather than through chasing chasing money. Remember, God is interested in, in having your heart. And if you're chasing after money, your heart is already devoted somewhere else. Your heart is already devoted to something and someone else. And God wants your heart. And so God says, it's okay earn money in purposeful ways. So let's look at some of the practical things that come out of this. Let's look at some of the practical things that that John Wesley has to say about how to actually earn money in a way that brings your heart near to God and near to others and leads to peace. The first guideline he would give us in addition to earn, earn all you can is earn all you can by honest industry, using all possible diligence in your calling. Now, this is language from the 17th century, but, but earn all you can by, by or 18th century, earn all you can by honest industry, using all possible diligence in your calling. This is about working in the ways that God is calling you. It's about working in the ways that God is calling you. What does it mean to be called by God? I, I believe that God calls each and every one of you to something. God is calling you to something. It's easy for, for you to get the impression that, that for you to be called by God means that you have to become a pastor or, or a missionary or a youth director to be, quote, working for God. And when, when our young people go to resurrection, I, I shared how I received my calling to ministry at resurrection, and, and, and there will be a, an opportunity for some to respond to God's call, and some, God is going to call some of our young people into into ministry through resurrection this year. And so many will get the idea that I have to get this call from God to enter into ministry as a job, to vocational ministry, to really be able to be working for God. It's this idea that you have to follow a, a, quote, ministry career to really work for God. I want to say that, that God does call some to be pastors, and, and God might be calling you to change careers. But God calls most of you. God calls most of you to serve Him by working where you are. To serve Him by working in your present conditions, your present circumstances, wherever that may be, however that may be, God is calling you to work wherever you are. Maybe God is calling you to, to be a source of love and po- positivity for your coworkers. Maybe God is calling you to work in a way that allows others to see the, the presence of God in you. If you're retired, maybe God is calling you to work in a non-traditional way to, to be able to, to, to influence others with the love of God. Maybe God is calling you to, to live out your, your vocation in a way that honors your clients or your customers or your patients, that they know that after you had had, after they had had an encounter with you, that they feel different in some way, that their lives are different in some way. I mean, none of this requires you to be a pastor. 
And in fact, if every Christian were called to be a pastor, I, I got this sense that all the churches would close because, like, what's the point? I mean, everybody just like, being a pastor. And, 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 and if we did this, no one in our community and, and no one in our, in, our, in our community that needs the love and care of Jesus would get it because you, we need, the church needs, God needs you working in faithful ways, living out your life in a vocation, however that may be. Honoring God with your whole heart. Another guideline that, that Wesley had when it came to earning was earn all you can, earn all you can without paying more than it's worth. That's probably good advice for the stock market. You know, earn as much as you can, but don't pay more than something's worth. Uh, I don't think that Wesley was thinking about stocks in this way. Uh, this really gets at the heart, though, of, of earning versus chasing money. You see, he goes on to explain that, that when you work to earn all that you can, it should not come at the expense of your life or your health. In the pursuit of more, so many ha have, have sacrificed their families and their health. So many have set aside the relationships that matter most to them just so they can chase after more. The temptation of chasing money or fame or approval has them to see their relationships suffer, their spiritual health suffer, their physical health suffer. Believe it or not, and you, perhaps you can believe it, I think that this is often a problem for many pastors and many people who work in churches. I know too many pastors, too many colleagues who, who express that they paid too high a price for the work in the church. Their families suffered. They didn't go to their kids' ball games. That they, that they didn't lead their families in ways that, that promote health and love. And they look back on this with regret and, and concern, and they realize that they paid too much for their work in the church. The relationships with their kids suffered, their marriages broken up, and too often the physical health has paid too big a price. Earning more at the expense of everything that, that really matters in your life is a vain undertaking. It's a way that leads to death and destruction. You were never made to only work. Your heart will never be content if you're chasing, chasing money. Your heart will only ever be full to the extent that you remain in God and, and, and from God's calling to work in ways that honor God as you earn money. It's also very important to realize the whole, the whole thing, this whole thing of earning. It's not just about those who are close to you. It's not just about you. Because we live in an interconnected world. And so one of the other things that Wesley cautions you in, in earning is that he says that you can earn all you can, but not at the expense of your neighbor. So, you, so not only can you not earn all you can at the expense of your life and your health, but also don't earn all you can at the expense of your neighbor. When teaching about the, the most important things in life, Jesus said something similar to this. He, he said in Mark chapter 12 that you're to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, with all your mind, and with all your strength, and, and to love your neighbor as yourself. So love God and love neighbor is the most important commandment is what Jesus would say. And so to fully live into the kind of person that God wants you to be, it's important for you to love other people, and you should, should never earn at the expense of others. Money always tempts you, saying you need more however you can get it. But God says, I'm enough. Look, I'm enough. And I care more about people. I care more about people than what you earn. God has always directed the people of God to, to act differently from the world. 
God has always directed the people of God to deal honestly towards others. An example of this comes from the law that, that God gave his people. And oftentimes people think about law as, as thing that's boring or, or as, as things that are confusing, especially biblical law that you find written in the Old Testament. And some people think that you know, the biblical law was for people that lived a long time ago and, and I've got freedom or something that's not like really applicable to me today. But God was talking about when he gave the law to his people that he wanted his people to be different from other people. He wanted, God wanted God's people to act different and be different from other people. And so in Deuteronomy chapter 25, this is a book of the Bible that is often has, often people skip because it can be boring perhaps, because there's a lot of stuff in it. But in Deuteronomy chapter 25, we see a law that, that, that God gives his people that is different from the world, because most of the world at the time was okay with cheating people, especially if you were cheating foreigners, right? Because they were different from you. And so you might not cheat your cousin because they would come and get you, but you would be okay to cheat a foreigner if you could get away with it. And so God said, I have something different for you. And in Deuteronomy chapter 25, he said, don't don't have two different types of money weights in your bag, a heavy one and a light one. You know, don't cheat somebody in your commerce. Don't have a heavy, heavy, heavy weight for, for somebody and a light weight for somebody else. Don't have two different types of ephes in your house, a large one and a small one. Instead, you're to only have one weight, complete and correct, and only one epha, also complete and, your, and correct, so that your life might be long in the fertile land that the Lord your God is giving you. So, so God is saying for your life to be long in the land that I'm giving you, for you to experience my blessings, I want you to be honest. I want you to be honest in how you deal with other people, how you engage in the market, how you engage in commerce, how you engage with your employer, how you engage with your employees. And then he said in verse 16, what's more, all who do such things, all who do business dishonestly are detestable. To the Lord, your God. I guess it doesn't get any more clear than that. God detests those who do business dishonestly. So never earn at the expense of your neighbor. And then related to this, Wesley told, told those who would listen that they should earn all they could, not at the expense of your mind. Earn all you can, not at the expense of your mind. So this is related, I think, to treating others fairly in, in your dealings with, with them as you earn. I mean, I mean, if you're dealing dishonestly in business, it will come at the expense of your own mind. If you're dealing dishonestly with others, it will come at the expense of your own mind and your conscience. This is the thing that, that Paul had in mind when he wrote to Timothy about, about those who chase after money. I mean, some lose their footing in, in faith completely and live to regret it bitterly forever. And it will eat at you. It will tear you down. If you take all this up and, and take all this and, and sum it up, I think that you could say that the way to work for God in earning, way to work for God in earning, rather than chasing money, is to examine your heart. To examine your heart, to see where your heart is. What matters most? Where is your heart? I mean, after all, God doesn't need your money. He wants your heart. When you think about earning money in the new year, it's so important to, to examine your heart in the midst of it. Is my heart in line with God? Am I just chasing money as the world wants me to do? Or, or am, I, am I earning money in a way that God wants me to do? 
Am I earning money in a way that keeps me close to God and allows others to be blessed and protects those that are near to me? Am I, am I earning money in a way that, that I'm really working for God? And when you examine your heart in this way, it, it's all about surrendering all that you have and all that you are to God because surrendering to God is the thing that keeps your heart close to God. Because when you surrender all that you have and all that you are, the temptations and lies that money tries to tell you, they lose their hold on you. They lose their hold on your life and, and your self-worth. It's when you do this, it's when you do this, and however you work, that you will be working for God. And so today I want, to, I want to give you, I want to leave you with a tool. A lot of what we're going to talk about over the next few weeks doesn't mean a whole lot if you don't have a way to implement it in your life. So I'm giving you a tool that I hope is, is helpful in this. I mean, have you ever wondered how you can determine if something is really good? Maybe you had this really good experience or, or something good happened in your life and, and you don't know if you liked it because you have a personal preference or if you liked it because God is really blessing it. And, and so one of the best tools that we have is given to us also by Paul who, who wrote about it in Galatians 5. And this is the fruit of the Spirit. Where, where he wrote this in Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. What I want to say is if you follow after God, if your heart is following after God, your life will bear this fruit. Your life will, will see these things that, that Paul is talking about. Your life will see love and joy and peace and patience. If you're following after God, after God's teaching on earning, your life and your relationship with money will bear this fruit. It will bear this fruit. And I'm going to give you an inventory. So if you're here in person and you have a bulletin, inside there's a, there's a blue sheet of paper that says uh, week one reflection guide. If you're online, you can go to kernchurch.org slash money and, and also download this. And there's a QR code if you prefer a digital copy of this. I lose paper. So I like to have digital backups. Um, if you give me something in paper, I will likely lose it unless I don't make a digital copy of it. Maybe it's my age. I don't know. But whatever the case may be, this, this is what I hope for you is, is a reflection guide. And, and in it, I, I, I want you to take this as an inventory. There's a spiritual fruit inventory, and I want, you to, I want to invite you to look over it. Perhaps look over it each day. I want to look over it each day. I hope you'll take a few moments each day to look over this. Is your heart, is your heart with God? As you reflect on what God wants for you and as it relates to your money and your finances, is your heart with God? And that's what this inventory will help you do. Am I, am I loving God? Am I loving God more than money? Joy is another one. Do I find joy in serving God through work? Kindness is, is another one. Am I being kind to others as I work and on and on? And then following, um, following the spiritual inventory that you'll see there, the spiritual fruit inventory, there's a breakthrough prayer on the back of this as well. And if you're online, it's just a second page. There's a breakthrough prayer here as well. As, as a church, we have been praying and we believe in God's miracles. And so we, I've been inviting you to pray each and every day at 1101, a breakthrough prayer, asking for God's hopes and dreams and possibilities, His miracles to happen in your life and in the life of our church. Well, during this, this, this message series called Money Talks, I also want to invite you to pray breakthrough prayers about your finances. 
and about your relationship with money. So not only do you, are you able to reflect on where you are and where God has you today and is calling you, but I also want to invite you to pray directly for your finances and the role that finances has in your life. So as you do this, as you do this, I'm praying that, that God will move in miraculous ways. That, that God will, will find your heart in the right place and God will find you in, in your own relationship with God and that will find you in a way where you're, where you're earning, earning in a way that leads to the fruit of the Spirit. That leads to the joy and love and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And that as you take this and review this inventory each and every day as perhaps a moment of prayer, it takes no more than five minutes, there's a way to say, you know, how am I relating to this? It's a spiritual work. If you really are wanting more than just spiritual work, we've got a, a financial class coming up in a few weeks, Financial Peace University, that can give you some, some tools and, and implementing some strategies to help you get out of debt, grow wealth, and live financially free. But it's a heart thing first. So that's what I want to invite you to. And right now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead us in this breakthrough prayer and and if you want to pray it with me, it's on the back of this, this blue sheet. If you want to just pray it in your heart, I want to invite you, invite you to do so. Will you join me in prayer? God, release the resurrection power of your Holy Spirit to break into my life so that I may work for you and earn money as you desire. Silence the call of money that says, chase me. Examine my heart and my anxieties. I confess the ways of my life with money does not match your heart or plan for my life. Grant me the boldness to follow Jesus in all that I do, especially how I earn money. May your spirit come. May your will be done. Amen. Dear ones, my hope for you today and over the next several weeks is that God will work on your heart that you will do the work in, in examining your heart and your life and in your prayer life to, to really follow after God in ways that lead to power so that you can find joy, that you can find ways of purposely working for God that, that connect your heart to God and, and liberate your, your finances in ways that you never imagined. I'm praying God's breakthroughs to you, and I pray that you are blessed. My prayer for you is that God will be your vision. And when your heart is in the right place, when you're following after God's advice on money and what God says about money, I know that God becomes your vision. I hope that you'll join us next week as we talk more about the lies that money tries to tell us and the truth and liberating power of God's financial freedom. May you be blessed with the life-changing love of Jesus. May your heart go from this place and may you really see God as your vision. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you want to reach out to Kern Memorial United Methodist Church or see entire services, you can visit our YouTube channel, Kern Memorial United Methodist Church, and remember to like and subscribe for updates. You can also visit us on our Facebook page at Kern Memorial United Methodist Church. Thanks and have a blessed day.